Are you new to coaching? Starting out as a coach can be incredibly overwhelming, especially when you aren't given much direction from your administration. That's why I created the new coaches playbook. It includes a roadmap to help you start building your coaching foundation and a guide to seven podcast episodes in order that will give you the steps and ideas you need to build relationships, define your role, communicate with your admin, and make a plan to start coaching. Hey coach, have you heard about Sydney? You've probably heard me mention them here on the podcast when we talk about video coaching or when Corey Camp was a guest, but there's so much more than that. Sydney knows that coaching can be tough. Most days, it can feel like you're working hard, accomplishing little, and rarely seeing the impact of your work. Sydney makes it easy for you to get more done and watch teachers improve. Their professional learning engagement platform embeds practice and collaboration in every workday, engaging teachers while building a stronger community of learners. As a special offer for listeners of Buzzing with Miss B, the coaching podcast, they're giving away an opportunity to experience Sydney for yourself for free for a whole year. Go to sydney.com slash buzz to learn more, claim your free coaching package and win a $25 Visa gift card. To claim your coaching package, go to sydney.com slash buzz. That's S-I-B-M-E dot com forward slash B-U-Z-Z. Sydney, changing the way people learn at work. You're listening to Buzzing with Miss B, the coaching podcast, where we believe that every teacher deserves a coach, and every coach does too. I'm Chrissy Beltran, an instructional coach, resource creator, and coffee enthusiast. And I'm your host. Stay tuned for practical tips and honest coaching talk that will help you coach with confidence. Hey, coach, and welcome to episode 135 Building Relationships in a Toxic Environment. Every episode in this season of the podcast comes from questions and feedback I've received from coaches who are in the field right now. I sent out a survey and you all responded. And one of the questions I got several times with different wordings was how can we build relationships even if the environment is toxic? Many coaches are dealing with very unhelpful and unsupportive administration, lots of top-down mandates when they, they don't even believe in these mandates, and then systems that tear teachers down instead of building them up. This creates negativity, toxicity, and really a sense of futility in coaching because it creates all of those things in teaching. That's why I wanted to invite Leah Resnick here today to talk about this really important idea. So before we we welcome Leah to the podcast, though, I did want to share one thing with you. I have a free email challenge that you can get um, straight to your inbox. It's about coaching resistant teachers. And so I think that's relevant for this episode, too, because... So many of our teachers feel really resistant whenever the environment is really toxic. So you can grab that at buzzingwithmissb.com slash resistance. It is five days plus one. The last day is a celebration, so it hardly counts. And it's going to give you the exact steps that you need to take in order to change the way that you interact with certain teachers on your campus. It's such a game changer. I have been told by coaches that this has changed the way they work with teachers and that it impacted specific relationships, complete 180. So grab that for free. That is buzzingwithmissb.com slash resistance. It will change your coaching game, I promise. So now let's welcome Leah. 
So Leah is joining us today to talk about how we can build relationships with teachers, even if the environment is toxic or unsupportive. So thank you so much for being here, Leah. Of course. Thank you for having me. Could you introduce yourself to our listeners before we get started and talk a little bit about you know who you are, how you ended up here, and what kind of work you focus on? I will. Yes. Hello, everyone. Uh, my name is Leah Rusink, and I am an early literacy coach in Michigan. I support young kindergarten through fourth grade teachers, and this is my second year coaching, so still very new to the coaching world. Um, previously, I was a preschool director and teacher for a few years, and then I transitioned to teach young fives and kindergarten for a few years. And actually, during the pandemic, one of those years, I spent virtually teaching kindergarten and young kindergarten simultaneously. So those were some wild times. <laughs> um, and then I decided to go back to grad school while I was teaching. I was just really wanting to learn more about teaching reading and writing and best practices. So went back to grad school um, and then was hired as a coach. My last six months of my program, I was hired as a, a literacy coach. Uh, and then uh, I needed to do my thesis, my research thesis for that program. So I decided to do it on literacy coaching. So actually the beginning of my career as a coach, I was also doing research around my experiences as a coach. So I audio collected um, notes on my reflections and it really jump-started you know, my coaching career with a reflection focus. So that was really neat. And then- I love that. That's so interesting. It's like an inquiry, like active inquiry research. It's great. Absolutely. Definitely led me to be more reflective than I probably would have without having that research focus. Mm -hmm. um, and now I'm currently coaching and I'm also teaching a upper level literacy course at Western Michigan University in Kalamazoo. So kind of cool to influence teacher candidates before they get into the classroom. I'm working with teachers, our future teachers, and then also being able to work in the schools with teachers who are currently practicing. So that's been neat to see that spectrum. How interesting. That's great. And that's such important work. I feel like our, our teachers are so underprepared when they hit the classroom. Absolutely. Yeah. Big responsibility. So yeah, doing it. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Is there anything else that you want to share about kind of what led you to this point? How's your coaching sure, work yes. going? Yes, coaching is going well. Like I said, it's um, it's still very new. So I'm learning a lot, really steep learning curve, transitioning from being a teacher to a coach, which is what a lot of my research was focused on. I do a lot of work one-on-one -on -one with teachers in my districts. Um, I also work with grade level teams, which has been neat. This year I've started doing that, working with you know kindergarten and first grade teams as they're planning and, and doing work together. And then I also lead some professional learning for staff as well. So it's been kind of cool to do all those different things. A lot, a lot of variety. Yes. Yeah. That coaching work is never boring. <laughs> no, it's not. No, it's it's not. a lot like teaching. <laughs> teaching is never boring either. So. <laughs> very true. That's very true. So what we wanted to talk today about um, what the, what it looks like to really kind of survive and build positive relationships with teachers when your work environment is very toxic, because that affects people at all levels, whether the toxicity is coming from your admin or from outside factors, usually it's the way admin is handling outside factors, <laughs> uh, or just their personality in general, sometimes it makes it really hard to work in certain environments. 
So what is the toxic environment? Like if you could define that for us, what would that look like? Sure. Well, toxic is such a strong word. And I think it differs so much from, you know, irritating or bothersome or, you know, some of those other words we might use to describe an environment. Um, You almost get like a physical response when you think of that word and you can visualize something, some some memory or maybe some image when you hear the word toxic. Uh, And I think of a podcast episode from Brene Brown's Dare to Lead podcast. She brought on Don and Charlie Saul uh, to talk about their research. This was this past summer. I listened to the episode and they talked about the great resignation and why so many people were leaving the workplace. And that got me thinking about education because we have the same problem going on in schools, right? So many teachers are leaving the field. And what Don and Charlie found was that toxic work environment was the number one reason why so many employees were leaving. And so I think this is a really applicable topic for teaching and education today. Yeah, and I would define, yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry, I just had a question about that. Do you think that that work environments have become more toxic or that we are less willing to put up with what was being put up with before? Just what I'm just, that's a great question. Yeah. Yeah. I'm wondering how much has changed, you know? Mm -hmm. And I don't know if I have the answer to that. Yeah. I don't know if any of this does. (laughs) Probably true. Yes. Teachers are burnt out. And I feel like that seems to be, there seems to be more put on teachers plates these days. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't been in education for a super long period of time. So, um, you know, but I think when I think of a toxic work environment and I'm trying to define that word, I mm-hmm. think of psychological safety. And in those environments, I think there's a lack of that, right? Teachers don't feel like they can speak up. Mm-hmm. They don't feel like their concerns are addressed or they can say difficult things. So that's the number one thing I think of when I hear toxic work environment. Mm -hmm. And like you said, I think leadership has a huge impact on the environment. So if leaders are toxic, right, and they have those qualities, they're not creating a vulnerable, safe environment for teachers, um, they're going to feel that. And you're going to feel that when you walk in the building. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. There, there are some places that you feel just icky. Like I know I have worked also with grade levels that had a really like toxic dynamic. I have worked with teams that whenever they walk into your room, you're just like, ugh. it's just like you walk through a swamp or something. You just feel icky. like you can feel the energy in that room is just not in a good place. Absolutely. And as coaches, we are so in tune, yes. right, to our relationship with teachers and trying to, especially when you're coaching a team of people, you're just very aware of how everyone's feeling and trying to kind of facilitate that. So it can be challenging as a coach in those yeah. environments. Yeah, totally. So where do you think that that some of that is coming from? Why is it like, what are some of the issues that teachers are dealing with right now that make it hard for them to relate to coaches or admin or to find common ground or, you know, where, where's that coming from? Sure. Well, I think burnout is a real thing. And I don't think it's on a case by case basis. I think it's a systemic issue. We're putting so much on teachers plates and we can't expect them to thrive, you know, uh, when the system is kind of built to exhaust and put all this pressure on them. So I think burnout is real. And a lot of these toxic environments, taking a break is not welcomed 
you know, uh, we have, you know, sub shortages and all these other things. Teachers really don't feel like they can take a break when they need one. And then on top of that, student needs, right? We have student behaviors and social emotional needs. So teachers are feeling that mm -hmm. they're feeling needs from families. They're feeling needs from administration who needs data and assessments and to show student and school growth. Right. And then even as coaches, we don't mean to put pressure on their plates, but we come in with all this new research and these best practices. And of course, we want to collaborate and be a support. But I think it can put a wedge between us with teachers when, you know, they don't feel like we really understand all those other pieces that they're dealing with. Yes, totally. They, I mean, teachers are not even physically safe in their classrooms and how on earth can we expect we're asking people to do these really mentally exhausting things and they literally don't feel safe in the place that they're at, you know? So it's, it's, we are asking a lot and we're going to continue to ask it because it's for students, but things have to change. And that's not the point of this podcast, obviously is to rewrite education, but <laughs> not this episode anyway, but, um, but yeah, we, we're asking people to do things in, in, in ridiculous circumstances that are just inhumane. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's totally valid that they're feeling all of this pressure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So then if, if the administration is sort of setting this toxic tone, which, I mean, I have seen it happen. I'm sure you've seen it happen. What can a coach do to demonstrate that they are not part of this? Because when you're a coach, you're often part of school leadership. That's how coaches are often used. That's just the reality. And I know there are a lot of big coaching gurus out there who are like, no, you know, you just work with the people who want to work with. And it's all those lovely flowers and butterflies. But in reality, you're sitting in on those data meetings. You're part of that leadership team. You're making decisions. You're doing the walkthroughs, even though they're not administ like administrative evaluative walkthroughs. You're in those classrooms. You're doing all the same kinds of things. So how can you separate yourself and show that you are not a part of that administration, even if you are part of school leadership? Absolutely. And that's a really great question. And one of the most important questions we have to consider, especially as new coaches, it feels to me like there's this spectrum where teachers are on one side and, you know, administrators are on one side. And when we come into our role as coaches, we have to kind of figure out where we fit in and how, you know, how we can relate to administrators and position ourselves with teachers and administrators. So I think, first of all, we have to understand our own role and really understand that ourselves, which is something I've been developing over time and realized I didn't have a great grasp on when I first started coaching. I knew my responsibilities, right? And I knew basically what I'd be doing throughout the day, but I've really had to, through experience, kind of learn how to define that to myself um, so I can define it to teachers and administrators. Many administrators don't have a great grasp on our role as well. So I think using that language to position ourselves and explicitly describe our role to teachers um, and then explaining what is disclosed with building administrators when we are in those meetings with principals, what are we disclosing to them? Teachers need to know that what we talk about with teachers is confidential. We're not going to share that with their building leader. So I think to develop that trust, we have to have that confidentiality piece so that they can trust us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That, you know, I'm so glad you brought that up because it seems like every time I have a coaching call with a coach, 
we talk about the issues that they're having, which are valid issues. We all have struggles. Oh, I'm struggling to work with PLCs. I'm struggling with, you know, getting teacher buy-in. Teachers aren't interested in coaching cycles. And when I ask about, have you clearly defined your role for yourself, for your admin, and for your teachers? 90% of the time, that is the problem. Like that's the root yeah. of the problem, right? The root of the problem is I'm not totally sure what my role is. And my administrator has like a weird vision of it that changes every week. And then my teachers are making up what they think my role is, which is not always super flattering. And it's, it's a very hard position to be in when you are not totally nailed down on what is my job? How am I going to do it? How is my, what is my placement in this weird bureaucracy of school? Because as a coach, I was not even considered promoted. I was on a teacher salary. It was like a lateral move, basically. (laughs) That was it. But I had to go in extra and I had to participate in extra stuff. And I had to be part of leadership team and show up at seven o'clock on Monday mornings for our leadership meetings and stay after school Mm -hmm. till whatever hour, you know, doing family nights. And all of those things were just expected, even though it was a lateral move. But that was just part of the role. Teachers looked at me as there's more of a leadership capacity, administrative almost. And administration was like, well, you're, you're on a teacher pay scale, pay scale, you know? So it's, it is a weird place to be in. It definitely is. Yeah. And I think, I think coming up with like an elevator pitch or a couple sentences that you can quickly communicate to teachers is so important. You know, sitting down and saying, if I have two minutes with this teacher or I'm going to see them in the hallway today, what are a few sentences I could use to describe my role so that they know right away, I'm not the evaluator. I am their partner in planning, right? Um, So thinking about that, one of my first interactions I had with an experienced teacher who is brand new to our building, and I had sent an email asking if I could come in and meet students and just, you know, get to know everyone in the school. And this teacher invited me in. And I remember walking into her classroom and I could just tell by her body language, she was so nervous to have me in there and really didn't understand who I was, what I was doing in there. She had never had experience with coaching before. So this was just a foreign experience to her. Um, I was in her room for a few minutes. And then as I was about to leave, I went up to her and, you know, kind of mirrored her body language and smiled. I wanted to make her feel comfortable and affirmed. Um, and I used that elevator pitch just so you know, I'm 100% non-evaluative. I'll be your coach this year and we can talk more about what that looks like. Here's my coaching menu. This describes a few things that I can do to support you in the classroom. So look it over, but I just want you to know I'm not an evaluator. I'm a partner in planning and I'll be here to, to support you this school year. Right. So just something short and sweet that you can communicate to teachers and something explicitly to give them. I like Like that. a coaching menu. Yes. Having something on paper is so helpful that they can, because in the moment, if they're like a deer in the headlights, once you leave, they're like, ah, and then if they have something on paper, they can look at, they can be like, okay, that's what this was about. (laughs) Sure. Yep. And I've heard of, of coaches making videos and doing other things to explicitly communicate their role. So just some way of, of making that explicit and concrete. Absolutely. Yeah. So then what are, I mean, you just shared a really great example of how we can maybe lower some of the barriers whenever we're first working with teachers. What are some things that we as coaches are maybe doing that is actually harming our relationship with teachers when we're in this environment? Because I picture like 
I picture, I mentioned, you know, grade levels coming into PLC. There, I used to work with one teacher who was a fantastic teacher, but she was one of those people that exudes whatever feeling she is having at the moment. It is pouring out of her. And I can remember her coming into the class, to my my room once um, for PLC. And she just was like angry. Just, it was just, she was trying to stay calm, but it was just coming out everywhere. And it was just so clear that she was upset. And I, mm-hmm. of course, uh, like you said, we're so attuned to these relationships. I was like, oh my gosh, she is so angry at me. I do not, she doesn't want to be here. I don't know what I did, but it has ticked her off royally. And now what am I going to do? And so you're just like stressing before you even get into the conversation. So then your blood pressure is up. Your anxiety is up. You know, all of your stress reactions are, are happening and it makes it hard to have a good interaction with the teacher. Right. So assuming that intent or assuming that, that you have anything to do with what's going on, I think is one of the things that I used to do that was really a challenge for me to undo. Um, but what are some things that you have experience with, or you, you've seen that coaches are doing that harm their relationships? Yeah. Well, like you said, it's so easy to take things personally, just because mm-hmm. coaching is so relational, right. Yeah. And we can't do any of the work that we do without that relationship piece. We're not evaluating teachers, right? We really need that teacher buy-in for it to be a partnership that works. Um, and so there's a lot of emotions that come with coaching. Uh, and out of that, sometimes we do make mistakes as coaches. And I just want to say up front, it's okay. Some of these things that I'll mention, if you've done some of these things as a coach, you're normal. I think we yeah. all do these as humans. And yeah. I've done all the things that I'm about to talk about. Um, and it's not the end of the world, right? It's not going to ruin your relationship. But, you know, we're just talking about things that can harm your relationship. Yes. And we want to stray away from Yes. So when I started coaching, I was so worried about this relationship piece and just worried about being discarded. That's the word that came up in a lot of my research um, was I was so worried that I would do this one thing and that teacher would discard me and, you know, think, oh, they're this coach is not important and I don't need them. Um, You know, they don't know enough. All these all these thoughts that came into my head. Um. But I think one thing I learned is telling and fixing is the number one thing that can harm our relationship with teachers. Uh, I had a brand new teacher that I met with early on in the school year, and she really needed a lot of support. In her words, she said she was drowning, having all these behaviors popping up in her classroom. And I remember going into her room to meet with her for the first time. And just telling her all the things that I used to do, all these great ideas, right? And giving her a list of one, two, three, try these things. Let me know how it goes. But it wasn't sustainable, right? We didn't continue working together. Um, and it it wasn't because she was upset with me, right? But she just didn't feel that partnership. You know, adults really want to be a part of the process and they want the buy-in, So I think that's one thing, telling and fixing and that approach to coaching is one thing we can do to harm our relationship with teachers. I think also giving too much too fast. We have to be aware of cognitive load and all those things that teachers are dealing with. So if we're giving all these new resources too fast, teachers may not be able to take it all in at once. There's some research from uh, Susan Lallier and Aaron Brown's book, No More Random Acts of Coaching which is a great book if you're a brand new coach, little plug for that one. And the research states that it takes 14 to 20 hours 
to change teacher practice in one area. So when we're thinking about these resources that we're giving to teachers, we have to keep that in mind that they need time to soak in that new information. And then they also need time to practice it and apply it with support. So, you know, we can't just expect to give teachers something and um, them to apply it right away. It just takes time. And then spending too much time outside the classroom is another one that can harm our relationship with teachers. When teachers are seeing us working on all these other things that don't have to do with our coaching relationship, it can actually harm their perception of us, right? And I think there's there's research that states um, the more time that coaches spend with teachers actually raises student achievement. So there's there's research that shows we should be spending more of our time working directly with teachers. And then lastly, I would say taking on administrative roles. The more administrative roles we're taking on, um, that that really can harm our relationship with teachers where they begin to see us more on that administrative side of the scale, right? And it can it can hurt our relationship, our collaborative relationship with them. Yeah, that's a good point. And I think that that's a challenge a lot of coaches find themselves in is being handed administrative roles, especially by a toxic administrator, because they're like, look, this is just what you need to do. Like it's all hands on deck. It's always all hands on deck, right? It's always a fiasco. It's always a catastrophe. And so you have to jump in to help. You're required. It's just, it's other duties as a sign. So deal with it. And that can be really hard to walk that line. Um, you know, to, to say, you know what, I'm concerned about how this is going to impact this and this. If, if I'm taking this on, what am I dropping? You know, and it's hard to have those conversations with admin who are not great. Absolutely. And I think as new coaches or when we're training our new coaches, they need more time to think about those scenarios. How will you navigate your role and your positioning when you're put in these different scenarios? That was one thing I reflected on um, in my first year, I wasn't really prepared for all these different scenarios and how I would position myself. Mm-hmm. What do you? What are your thoughts on complaining about admin with teachers? Because I was just <laughs> as we we're talking about this, I'm just picturing how many times yeah. teachers sometimes make a comment so they can see what your response is because they want to gauge whose side you're on. Absolutely. Yes, <laughs> this is a great question. I do think that venting is okay. And I think as coaches building that relationship, it's okay to listen to teachers hear out all of their thoughts without telling them, you know, don't worry about it. It's going to be okay. I think it's a really good thing just to fully hear and be an active listener um, and be a safe place, especially in these toxic environments where it's not safe to voice your opinions. Right. But I think we do have to be very careful with our response so I, I attended cognitive coaching, which is an amazing, amazing training for communication and questioning techniques as coaches. Mm-hmm. Um, and we learned a problem solving conversation, which is really kind of a way to redirect when teachers are having a problem, a way to kind of put it back on them and help them think through that problem. So that's been helpful for me as a coach, but you're right. It's kind of a, a wavy line and we have to be really careful as coaches not to get pulled in right? To gossip and negative talk about administrators or kind of, you know, can be put in that uncomfortable position. Yes. It can be very difficult 
um, whenever. And so I think it's, yeah, like you said, responding appropriately to that and, and saying, you know, that sounds really hard. I can hear that you're really frustrated about that. And I can understand why that would be frustrating, you know, mm-hmm. validating what they're saying. If you can be the safe space where they can voice complaints, you are already setting yourself apart from the administration without having to complain about them as well and say, oh my gosh, I know. Like they always tell me to do things that are not my job. Like, you know, if they're, if you're starting to go down right. that well, it just creates like this really little, like a little rain cloud, you know, and so then nothing good will come out of it. Um, but like right. you talk about this problem solving conversation, I love that. Would you share a little bit more about that? Yeah. So, um, I think really the, the focus is identifying what the behavior is and what the emotion is, right? So identifying, um, specifically what the teacher is feeling, and then we're kind of guiding them to make the next step. So instead of us telling them, I have some ideas for you. Why don't you try one of these three things? We're asking them what might be a good idea for them to try, right? So we're just kind of putting them in the driver's seat as the decision maker, which is what cognitive coaching is all about, is really letting teachers be the ones who are doing most of the talking and most of the thinking. And as coaches, we are facilitating that conversation. And that's a skill I did not have as a brand new coach. That training completely changed how I think about facilitating conversation. And it's, you know, so empowering to be able to have kind of that pathway for how to ask questions. Um, That was one of my biggest questions I had as a new coach. How do I do this? What kind of questions do I ask? Right? Yes. Yeah. I love that. Um, So then Mm -hmm. you're you talked a little bit about some of the good things that we can do in order to kind of build a bridge, what else can we do to build a bridge to teachers whenever our admin is just creating a really negative environment or, you know, when they're just not supportive of coaching, because so many coaches have told me, well, my admin just kind of said, it's it's so weird because I came from a very controlled district where it was like, you will do this. You are accountable for this. If you do not, you know, do a good job at these things, you will be back in the classroom. Like that's the way that I was like trained as a coach. And, uh, and I saw uh, it happen. I saw coaches get moved back into the classroom. And I was like, oh dear, that is not right? happening. I'm not doing that. Um, but so then I hear from coaches who are like, well, my admin's just kind of like, well, just, you know, if they want to work with you, we don't want to take too much of their time. We don't want to, you know, like step on anybody's toes. So, you know, they ask, well, can I have an opportunity to like introduce my role as a coach? Well, I mean, maybe you can just send an email. Like they're just, so like they create a really negative coaching environment because they don't support it. So sometimes they're like actively undermining it and sometimes they just don't support it. And that's why it's hard. So what can coaches do in, in either of these situations when they're dealing with that. Yeah. And those are two completely different. They are. (laughs) Right. Um, But as coaches, you know, we're going into these schools, many times schools that we've been, we've been teaching at another place. And then we're going into this brand new district or brand new school. I think number one, we have to give ourselves some time and space to identify what's going on. If the environment is toxic, you know, whatever the environment is, we have to give us some, give ourselves some time to, um, figure it out, which takes a lot of listening, joining in on grade level meetings, going to staff meetings. Um, that's what I did. A lot of my first few months coaching was just sitting in on, on grade level team meetings and just listening, figuring out the beliefs and thoughts and feelings around different things going on in the school. Um, but I think in addition to that, right, we talked about how influential leadership is we really do need to build that relationship with building leaders as much as possible. 
And I think setting up weekly or biweekly or monthly meetings with administrators is so important, if possible. And I recognize that not every district, not every coach is going to be able to do that. Um, but being the one to initiate it, because in some districts, principals might initiate those meetings. If they're not, you can be the one as the coach to kind of set those up and say, let's just have a touch base. I just want to um, support you and get to know what's going on and, you know, be a part of of this. So I think those regular meetings with administrators is incredibly important. And then I think showing appreciation in these toxic environments, a lot of times teachers are not getting that appreciation and that recognition, you know, and I think as coaches, we can fill in and we can be that for not only teachers, but also for administrators. So being appreciated you know, is an under underestimated thing. Mm -hmm. We need to be appreciating our teachers and our educators more than we do. Um, and then I would say to creating a structure for coaching, which is not an easy thing as a brand new coach. Uh, but even if the school structure feels kind of chaotic and toxic, we can kind of create a coaching structure within that, I think, by communicating to our teachers what coaching will look like. Mm -hmm. effectively communicating, right? Maybe we're using a coaching cycle so we can explain to teachers, we'll be pre-conferencing, then we'll plan together, then we'll teach, and then we'll debrief. So kind of walking through, this will be the structure for our coaching time together. Um, even if, like I said, the rest of the school culture is not feeling um, super structured and communication isn't, isn't going well there. So that regular and consistent communication, I think is is so important. Those are such great ideas. I really like the idea of thinking about your own coaching work as having its own little structure within mm -hmm. chaos. <laughs> um, because then at least you have, you have that to cling to that can give you a little bit of peace and it can help teachers mm -hmm. understand, like there's some predictability and there is comfort within predictability. So if they know what's coming, they will be more likely to say, okay, yes, I feel okay with that. When they don't know what's coming, and many times in those kinds of environments you don't, then you like revert yeah. to this like reptilian brain where you're just surviving and you're um, defensive and everything is a threat. But if they know what's coming, then even just your presence can be calming. Yes. Yeah. So I think communication is just an important thing that we value as coaches. Follow-ups. If you're meeting with a teacher, you follow up after with an email, all those little pieces of communicating effectively, um, like you said, are just important to teachers, especially in those chaotic environments. Yes. And then one thing I'd also say too is uh, student-centered coaching mm -hmm. is something I'm learning a lot about right now, and I'm not an expert at it by any means, um, but just that focus on student data, I think is something we can put greater focus on in schools. Um and that's something that administration is interested in, right? Building leaders care about student data and student growth. Teachers care about student data and student growth. Um, so it's something we can kind of all, all get on the same page about. So I think making sure our coaching work is focused on student data as much as possible and driving the work we do with teachers based on that work or that I data. I totally agree. Yes. Having that shared goal 
it can change the way that you interact with people because you're not talking about, well, what are you doing well? And what are you doing badly or wrong? You are saying, this is what we see happening with kids. And this is these are like, what can we do? Like, what can we do to change what we see happening? And, um, and I really like the Diane Sweeney books for that. She's got some great books about student center coaching out and they are excellent in terms of using that to drive your interactions with teachers and with admin, like you said, because a conversation admin will try sometimes to complain about teachers. And if you're just, that's not a good place for you to be. Um, you can start by moving those conversations more towards students and say, okay, well, what are we seeing in the kids? What do we need to do for the kids? Not so much what is this teacher, like what are what is her, you know, lack of skill set or whatever complaints that they have. Absolutely. Yep. It sets us up for a collaborative relationship, yeah. more positive focus. Yes. So then how can we actually influence the environment in these situations? You mentioned a little bit about environment um, in terms of bridge building, right, with teachers. How can we, If I mean, if we're seeing all this negativity, we're seeing that teachers' needs are not being met, which in the end means that students' needs are not being met. Um, what, what can we do in this weird auxiliary position <laughs> that we're in uh, to support teachers? Yeah, well, I think number one, we have to recognize that it's, it's not our job to fix the environment that puts way too much pressure on us as coaches. And we, you know, have such a desire to influence these buildings and these teachers and these students, but we have to first recognize that it's not our job to fix. We can have an influence, but we're not, we're not fixing the, the whole environment. Right. Um, I think we can model the kind of environment that we want schools to have. We can model that open and vulnerable communication. We can model those psychologically safe um, environments. A lot of us as coaches lead professional development and building leaders are sitting in on those, those times and teachers are seeing what we're doing. So we can model um, that vulnerability, right? And we can model those things for, for whole groups of staff. Mm -hmm. I think also just continuing to work on the relationship piece, that collaborative um, that collaborative piece and making sure that teachers' voices are heard, we're raising up their voices and um, making them feel like they're a part of something and their identity matters. Yeah, I totally agree. Being sort of like a, like a go between, like you can say, you know, this is something that I'm seeing pop up a lot to your admin. If you feel like that's something you can safely do, which you don't always feel that way. <laughs> but if you can, you know, if you want to say, you know, I'm noticing teachers seem to be struggling with this, you know, is there something that we can do for that? I was thinking maybe we could try this. It sometimes bringing something to an admin's attention is at least a start in the right direction, because they may just not see how their behavior is impacting others. Absolutely. We're kind of that in between. Yes. And especially if we've already started to develop that relationship with the building leaders, we have more of an impact, right? Yes, for sure. Yeah. yeah because you've set yourself up to be that person. You're the same person with teachers and with admin, but you mm -hmm. are, you know, you're trying to maintain a calm presence and a, a safe space. And, you know, that, that, like you mentioned, problem solving, you know, positivity, like not fake positivity, not toxic positivity, right. but, you know, saying, you know what, I'm sure we can figure something out. What can we do? You know, um, if we can approach both our admin and our teachers that way, then, then maybe we can have an impact on the way people do business. Absolutely. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've loved all of this information. This has been some really great tips about really kind of focusing, like you said, like your locus of control. What can you do in your position? You cannot change the whole school. You cannot change teachers. You cannot change admin. But what can you do with what you have control over? And I just love that focus. I think it's a very healthy way to approach working in a very tough spot. Yeah, so, thank you. Yeah, thank you. I I would love, I have a, one more question for you. And it is, what is your favorite thing right now? And this is this just is something I've started asking this season. And I'm so glad that I have because I've gotten some fantastic answers. But it can be, you know, a book, a TV show, a podcast, a product, whatever it is that you're loving right now. Hmm, I love that question. <laughs> it's hard to pick one thing. I know. <laughs> um, you know, I would say I've been doing a lot of um, sitting lately. And so doing something active, I feel like has been really helpful for me. So I've started doing uh, yoga. Oh, great. So hot or warm yoga, especially where I'm at in Michigan. You know, it's freezing this time <laughs> of year outside. It's been sleeting rain and snowing. Um, so it's been really nice to to have some movement time. So hot yoga has been has been a really nice break for me and just nice to breathe and relax and take some time outside of um, everything else going on in life. I love it. That's great. And you know, that's another thing that you can do in a toxic environment is to try to get some movement uh, because that, um, that can just change, you know, your whole, like your whole center of gravity, you know, everything changes. Mm -hmm. It does. So if people want to learn more from you, how can they find you online or in the real world? Yes. So I have uh, an Instagram account. That's kind of my, my main hub. Happy Chatter Classroom is where you can find me on Instagram. And I also have under the same name, Happy Chatter Classroom on Teachers Pay Teachers. I'm starting to add some products for coaches and for teachers. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much for being here, Leah. I really appreciated this. Yes. Thank you so much. This was so fun. That was some really good information. And I really like the idea of just kind of focusing on what you can control and being a safe space for teachers. I think those are two things that are very doable and that as coaches, we can do really no matter what your coaching environment is. You can grab the show notes for this episode at buzzingwithmissb.com slash episode 135. And you can also grab a webinar that can help you do some of the things that Leah was talking about in this episode. My Define Your Coaching Role webinar is at buzzingwithmissb.com slash webinar. And it includes what you need to do to define your role for yourself and to communicate it with your admin and teachers. It will solve so many of your problems. So grab that webinar for free along with a handout at buzzingwithmissb.com slash webinar. I also have some resources that could help you do this in my store. And so those are the um, coaching presentation slideshow and a coaching menu. Those resources, you can get them at my TBT store, teacherspayteachers.com and search for Buzzing with Miss B or Chrissy Beltran. It'll show up both ways. You're going to want to grab the coaching slideshow and menu, and it's going to help you introduce your role to teachers and provide them with a tangible document that they can use to help them figure out how they want to work with you as a coach. Next week, we are talking about the elephant in the room. So far, we've talked about communication and we're talking about admin. We're going to talk about how to coach teachers who don't think like you. This is a huge hurdle for coaches that we don't often expect when we move from the classroom. It was a huge challenge for me. So I'm excited to share this episode with you when I talk with Ashley Hubner. And until then, happy coaching.
Thank you for listening to Buzzing with Miss B, the coaching podcast. Want more coaching ideas? Check me out at buzzingwithmissb.com and on Instagram at buzzingwithmissb. If you love the show, share it with a coach who would love it too, or leave me a review on iTunes. It's free and it helps others find this show. Happy coaching. Happy coaching.